0: to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And we're back on Mandalore, baby. Yeah. It took us like three episodes to get back here and I missed it. Uh, yeah? Yeah.
1: The uh, the Cubist and their cool pinstriped cars. And, and their,
0: their weird bonsai shrubbery.
1: Yeah, well, you know, what's I the mean, point otherwise? I mean, you gotta
0: stay on brand, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here for the second Mandalore arc, season three, episodes five and six, mm-hmm. Corruption and the Academy.
1: I knew going in that these were going to be good episodes for you because it's the Satine and Padme show and the Satine and Ahsoka show.
0: Yes. Ugh. We I mean we passed the Bechdel test within 30 seconds of the first episode which was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, that is nice. So the Bechdel test for those uninitiated is when they uh two female characters talk about something that isn't a man.
0: Yes. So most of the Avengers movies do not pass.
1: I mean most of everything doesn't pass. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So we start back on Mandalore. Satine may have succeeded in establishing neutrality for Mandalore, but now they are struggling. It's very hard for them to get aid from other systems. They are in kind of a pandemic era grocery store shortage. There's like no supplies anywhere. There's mm-hmm. food rationing. So she invited her friend Padbay to come and visit <laughs> and show her, quote unquote, the new Mandalore. Yeah but also talk politics.
1: So they arrive and are subjected to a spectacular parade, which is it's very It's kind cool. of like
0: a Hunger Games style like parade through the capital Sundari. It's uh it's a little pomp and circumstancey.
1: Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's it's the Mandalorian welcome, which Padme is presumably used to because they also have like People whose job is the director of confetti in her hometown in booth. So. This
0: is the way. <laughs> so at the same time that they are parading through the capital, there are some illicit supply shenanigans going mm-hmm. on elsewhere on Mandalore. So we get this green alien guy.
1: He's a Moogan.
0: A Moogan? Okay, he looks like a green pharaoh.
1: Yes, they're like snake people who wear pharaoh headdresses. Yeah,
0: you know what he reminds me of is the antagonist from Captain Marvel, uh, Ronan the Accuser.
1: Oh, a little. Do you bit. get that vibe? Uh, sort of. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, they're not actually that important, but they're bribing the loading dock overseer,
1: who is Mohawklet mixed sketch pants.
0: Yes. That is an extremely apt description because he is allowing them to import Slabin, mm-hmm. which is this terrifying, toxic red dilutant that they're cutting into the school children's beverages. Yes, which is about all you have to say to understand the nefariousness of this plot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I rabbit holed into that pretty hard, actually. Okay, so. I'm
0: excited to talk about it. Meanwhile, elsewhere on Mandalore, mm-hmm. Padme ends up in this like diplomatic scuffle.
1: Yeah, All Almek, the mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. prime minister is negotiating with like the. Trade minister and all these other people. The,
0: the Ministry of the Interior and the Ministry of Finance.
1: Yeah. And they're just fighting and.
0: bay kind of wades into the middle because they're mm-hmm. arguing about how to open up new trade and they just turn on her and they're like, yeah. well, you're a hypocrite for lecturing us about corruption. And you s- corrupt galactic senator.
1: Satine is like, I am having none of this. I am leaving.
0: She has a hilariously cubist dinner with Padme. <laughs>
1: what is. What makes a dinner a cubist everything no is spoons? cut into
0: cubes <laughs> everything they're eating is a cube
1: you are eating tofu you're eating it with forks that is yes. it
0: <laughs> yes your mouth might as well be square shaped <laughs> So Satine arranges a hospital visit. They mm-hmm. wake up the next day, they go to the hospital just in time to see hundreds of Mandalorian children poisoned by the Slavin.
1: Yeah, so they track it down pretty easily that it's the T.
0: Yeah, what Sabine says is that this seems to be evidence of a deeper kind of corruption, and mm-hmm. she turns out to be absolutely right. Yeah. So they immediately pick up on the slavin lacing. They visit a school, and as soon as they figure out what's going on, in the superintendent. Boltz.
1: Well the superintendent of the dock, not the superintendent of the schools. Oh,
0: okay. That yeah. makes you feel a lot better. Yeah, actually. they called him they called him
1: superintendent and I had compared faces. And unfortunately everyone on Mandalore has very similar face. faces, but um yeah, it was the superintendent of the dock. So they catch him and he's like, I'm just a middleman. I'm just trying to, you know, make a profit here.
0: I'm just a man making my way in the world. Yeah. For Actually, real. that makes me feel a lot better. So he tells them everything. Mm-hmm. He was getting a cut for the tea, he got it from this middleman named Sadiq, mm-hmm. who has a sleazy Cockney accent.
1: Yeah. It's like the Australian Cockney, the like, uh, Southeast Asian uh, colonizer, smoke filled room, six gins in. Yes. Look and vibe. That is the vibe. Yeah.
0: But Satine must have a very compelling glare because he also tells them everything.
1: And she has armed guards as well. Well,
0: that too. So they use his information to head to the import dock. They mm-hmm. intercept a shipment from Ronin, well, the, the, the Moogans. <laughs> yeah. But the captain of the guard, when they tell him that they've seen the smuggling happen, he doesn't believe them. Yeah. And Satine has to bully him into taking them down to the docks with guards. Mm -hmm. So they find this guarded storage unit slash distillery. There are guards in the front. They're like, we were told not to let anybody in. And
1: he's like, I'm your boss. This is my boss. Like, you need to let us he's in. He's like, do you
0: know who this is? Yeah. And the guy's like, uh. And then just tries to Sadine. Satine.
1: At which point, a fight ensues.
0: There is a fight. Padme goes in, guns blazing. Well,
1: the captain of the guard gets shot in his Beskar shoulder blade. But the, um, yeah, Padme's like, oh, no, a gun and a gunfight. I'll just kill everyone.
0: Yeah, so they lift <laughs> the shipping container in front of her. She uses it as a shield. Mm-hmm. There's some extremely cool Mandalorian staff twirling.
1: Yes, but like... Uh, Padme is just sitting there, and she's like, "Ah, yes, this reminds me of this—the Battle of Geonosis when we had like similar odds and a similar thing." And the Mandalorian guards are like, "Wait, you're a Geonosis? You're a senator?" <laughs> and she's like, "Ha ha
0: ha." Padme like, "Wow, this is a lot easier than that time in the Clone Wars movie when <laughs> I broke myself out of Zero the Hutt's jail." <laughs> <laughs> So she gets everybody and then Satine orders them to burn down the warehouse. Mm -hmm. When they debrief with Almec, Satine Mm -hmm. is like, this isn't over. And Almec's like, whatever. Everything's
1: fine. I mean, he's the prime minister and he also has all the concerns that like the captain did because Satine is like "Burn down the warehouse. And the captain's like, there's evidence in there. Like, I have to follow... I am a cop. I have to follow, like, a chain of evidence. And Satine's like, burn it. Burn it it all! Yeah.
0: So the scheme infiltrated so many levels of Mandalorian society that Satine can't even trust the committee that Almec says that he's going to set up to investigate. So as Pad Bay is leaving, Satine suggests that a Jedi should go undercover and... Learn more and expose everything, which is exactly what happens in the second episode of this arc, The Academy.
1: So we lead in and Anakin, Rex, and Ahsoka are landing on Sundari.
0: It's an Ahsoka episode. Yes,
1: because Ahsoka is being sent on her own. And she's like, isn't this a little beneath me? And Anakin's like, listen here. You little snips. (laughs) This is your job. And, you know, you might find something that you don't understand. And also, like, the Jedi Council asked you to do it. And that's, like, part of being a Jedi.
0: So Ahsoka gets to be a TA the whole episode.
1: And, well, so, and Anakin and Rex are like, yeah, we have to actually go back to the battle. So later taters. And so it's all Ahsoka. She's introduced to, um, I believe it's uh, Fred, Velma, the rest of the Scooby gang Yes, here. it's this the is, Scooby gang. This, this is, is a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a school story meets Scooby-Doo.
1: So uh, it's Quirky, Amos, Lagos, and another one. There's four little- The blonde one. Yeah, they're all blonde. There's four little... The
0: smart one is a brunette, <laughs> which is so typical. And
1: she has a, like a hacking goggles or thing. But anyway, Ahsoka is taing them. You know, it's it's some sort of academy. She has been forced to relinquish her lightsaber. She had to leave it with Anakin.
0: Because the amount of trouble that Obi-Wan caused the last time he was on Mandalore means that she has to give up her lightsaber, which is hilarious. <laughs> it is. So she's taing at the Royal Academy of Government, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming is like the up-and-coming politicians of Mandalore.
1: Yeah, actually, that's a really common thing in a lot of countries to have like an academy specifically for Mm. people who are like on the up-and-up to be civil servants. Cool. Yeah, she's giving these lectures on corruption and quirky, or maybe it's the dumb one, is like, isn't it treason to not trust your leaders? And she's like, well, no, she's actually not doing a great job teaching. But-
0: well. Maybe, maybe not. Because the little cadet babies basically take everything that she said to mm-hmm. heart. So clearly the lessons stuck, maybe. for better or for worse. So,
1: meanwhile, back at their barracks, their dorm rooms, they're like, we're hungry. Let's go to the government warehouse where all the food is being stored and get some snacks.
0: Okay, so what's happening is that Ahsoka says it's the duty of every citizen yeah. to challenge their leaders so that corruption can't take root. They're sitting there hungry mm-hmm. and they're like, wait a second, we keep getting shipments of food and then we keep not getting the food. Food. so yeah. you know what we should do is take a field trip down to this secret government shipping center and see what's what importantly
1: these are like 15 and 16 year old kids they've they don't they their emotions are lust and hunger that's it and their so. sneak
0: level is negative 10
1: <laughs> but they sneak in and they see some mandalorian guards talking with
0: the a government Lugans. official
1: yeah and so there's the back and forth they can only see the government official and they're spooky uh, i'm doing illegal crap Mm Robe, And the cowardly one decides to take a runner and drops something so they get chased out of there. His school-issued iPad, like
0: right on their heads.
1: So they're getting chased out of there. He barely makes it alive. And they get back. They... Are panicking, so they're like, "What do we do, Corky? You're well connected, so let's talk to Satine, who's your aunt." He's
0: like, "It's time to bring in the big guns. I'm calling my auntie." Yeah,
1: so they go to Satine, and Satine's like, "Why are you being a vigilante detective? You are dumb. Listen, like, go back to school and let like." you know, the professionals handle this.
0: So they have to go to Almec, uh, yeah, which because, turns out to have many repercussions. Because Almec's like,
1: meet me at midnight in like the place where you'll easily be captured. They're like, so, yeah, sounds
0: legit. Yeah. Sounds legit.
1: So they, they talk to uh, Ahsoka and uh, they're like, oh yeah, you know, last night we were just infiltrating the government warehouse for food. And Ahsoka's like, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, who She's gave like, me permission?
0: Oh, you did what I said? Oh, you committed a crime? <laughs> oh,
1: So the Scooby gang goes to the meeting point where they're going to meet the PM and they are immediately captured by the Secret Service. However, Ahsoka shows up and kicks every single Secret Service agent in the head.
0: Whoops, but with no lightsaber, IDs the hologram. And yep, it is Prime Minister Almec in Mm -hmm. a super secret racketeering meeting.
1: And then Corky shows off his uh, politics where he's like, they know I talked to Satine. So they go to Satine's house. It has been thrashed. The guards are dead.
0: Ahsoka's like, don't worry. Mama Ahsoka is here. So she cooks up this scheme. She gets them thrown into jail and then force tricks the guard to take her to Satine, who is also in custody. Satine
1: is in a mega tower in the prison. It's a trap. Because the guard was not actually... Uh, force mind tricked.
0: Yeah, the Mandalorian guards have all been trained to resist mm-hmm. Jedi mind trickery.
1: So there's like stun turrets and Alnac is sitting there. He's monologuing. He brings everyone together and tells
0: them the whole evil plan. And
1: Ahsoka's like, all right, well, you know that moment you were waiting for. It's right now as she proceeds to, while wearing handcuffs, beat everyone senseless. The kids po- dogpile with they their flop handcuffs. flop on the
0: guards like dead fish.
1: Imagine <laughs> to take out like one guard. Ahsoka very awesomely takes out the rest of the guards. It is
0: incredible. And then she kicks Almec's legs out from underneath him and snaps Satine's shock collar on Mm. his neck like a dog.
1: And so uh, Satine is like, I'll never talk even after you shocked me. And once Almec gets shocked once, he's like, all right, I'm out. I surrender. And he gets put away. And that's the actual resolution is that Satine was using Ahsoka to train these kids to set up a long game, a snare to get rid of it. And
0: this was her plan all along. And
1: Anakin was in on it, too, because as Ahsoka's getting on the ship, Anakin's like, so how was it? And she's like, "Ah, it was mostly boring. And Anakin's like, the part where you convinced untrained children to help overthrow a corrupt government was boring. And she's She's like...
0: like, you that, know, that was you know. a highlight,
1: and then she has in the bottom <laughs> of the screen like a perfect smirk up at Anakin, and that's that's what we've got.
0: And the so. whole episode is like, and if it weren't for those meddling kids,
1: for real.
0: So yeah, Satine was in on it all along, mm-hmm. and they have rooted out the actual corruption. The kids are all right. Yeah. So that's the arc.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, lot more Satine time in the first one and the second one, but it was a good Ahsoka episode.
0: For this yeah. Episode. So uh, what stood out to you in this arc?
1: So I started going in to similar food um, dilution and food contamination scandals. Oh. And so the biggest one that actually occurred like six months before this episode aired, so it was definitely part of it, was the melamine scandal. What's that? So it started actually in the United States with pet food. And a whole bunch of dogs and cats started getting sick from this pet food. And what happened was that one of the processed proteins that they got from China had been contaminated with melamine. And the reason that you put melamine in is that when you throw the food under whatever tests you use, it makes it look like the protein content is higher than it actually is. So you can get away with selling subgrade wheat protein and saying it has a higher protein
0: content. Oh, no. Mm -hmm.
1: And so this melamine is not like particularly dangerous unless you have it in very high uh, doses.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Sounds familiar. Yeah.
1: And then like six months later, there was a huge scandal across China where a bunch of of kids got sick because their milk was contaminated with melamine to make the protein content of the milk higher.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And it's a pretty common thing across a bunch of, you know, more recent food scandals is just cutting something with something else to make it seem stronger. So I, I went deep into that, as well as like the Bhopal disaster in India and all these um, things, trying to find an example of like where that foreign corruption would have occurred.
0: Hmm. Did you yeah. find anything?
1: Um, nothing that was specifically dead on because this episode also follows a very annoying trope. There's one of them. There's a very funny um, puffin forest D and D video about this. About how like the black market is not like a thing, hmm. like ever. Even even for example in the modern era where it's the most codified, it is. It's like Silk Road, which is the dark web, and you you know you can
0: you can get anything on there. No, well,
1: you can get all sorts of stuff. UPS to you, but um, the difficulty is that. It's not like something that people run and it's not like a place where there's like storefronts.
0: Well, it's very decentralized
1: yeah, that's kind of the point. I
0: think the the point of this arc was to have an extremely centralized government-run racketeering black market yeah to symbolize that corruption starts at the top and then it spread its fingers all the way through Mandalorian society.
1: yeah although you know it does kind of start at the bottom as well because like what happens is like one person will be like, hey, I noticed you were taking bribes, and that person will be like, yes, and I will pay you to not notice that I'm taking bribes. Yeah, so, so something
0: interesting that I noticed up. about this arc is that it's about corruption, mm-hmm. right? But it's also about how everyday people are willing to become complicit in something just because it benefits them. Like, all it takes is a bribe. yeah. And then all of a sudden, regular citizens are becoming tools of something much larger and and much more insidious than they might have bargained for. And then all of a sudden, your whole society is the puzzle pieces that make up your evil plan.
1: Yeah. And one of the most interesting characters of that was uh, Sadiq.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: I looked deeply into Sadiq and found some really interesting things. One of them is that his name means honesty or it's like one of the levels of Islam, like one of the sort of saintly levels. And it's honest. Hmm. And I find that.
0: Deeply ironic. Yeah,
1: it's an ironic twist. And then the other thing was, you know, he's sitting here like, ah, yes, I have a. Monopoly on all these things. My trade license is like permanent from the Trade Federation, so you can't even hurt me as mm-hmm. the Duchess of Manhattan. He's got
0: immunity. Mm-hmm.
1: I find that to be. Like the level where corruption actually takes hold is where people are like, I have nothing to prove. I like, I there's no oversight for me.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing for me to lose. Like yeah. I'm good no matter what, so I might as well make a little extra money.
1: Mm-hmm. Or or where it's like, yes, the cost of doing business, like the fines are not are, are just a cost of doing business.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: in my research into corruption, that was another thing. The U.S. for a very long time, you know, up until about twenty. 20- Seventeen had a very strong stance of like, if you are a US company and you have like a line item for foreign bribes, that is very, very much not allowed. Hmm. And for example, uh, Germany, they only institute that in like 1999. So there's a lot of Things where corruption is like a really universal thing. It's very difficult to root out, even in a autocratic monarchy. I know, I know. Or apparently is.
0: The first thing I want to say is that We've talked a lot about how the Clone Wars that we're watching right now was created 10 years ago or more.
1: It feels on point. And though. it
0: feels so relevant. There was something kind of horrifying about discussing food shortages and supply chain disruption as we sit here in November 2021, yeah. experiencing all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't get a leather interior in a luxury car right now. Oh, like, yeah. you can't buy a, a new car. There's just not enough new cars.
1: I. Recently had a flat tire and had to repair rather than replace the damaged rim because there was no way I was going to get a new rim.
0: Yeah. Like
1: a car rim, which is like just a hunk of steel in the right shape.
0: Yes. So yeah. I don't know what was going on in 2010 or whenever this episode this is from
1: 2008. It's actually right before that financial crisis.
0: Fascinating. Actually
1: right before it.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Well, history rhymes, right? Mm, So we are experiencing a lot of these things. The other thing that was extremely frustrating for me to watch was to see Satine get stonewalled at every turn in the first Mm -hmm. episode. And I think that has a lot of modern day ramifications and resonances as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's part of the separation of powers of when you are a head of state talking to the head of government, which is to say in most, most governments that would be um, like the king or queen talking to the prime minister, but in our U S government, for example, that's like the president talking to the Senate majority leader or to, you know, the uh, house majority leader and being like, Hey, I would like to put some, you know, Wait on this proposal moving forward, like this anti-corruption bill. And they're like, yes, well, you know, we have like our own things to do.
0: Yeah, but it was also the frustration of corruption being such an insidious and nebulous phenomenon that like yeah. Satine has all the power in the world, on the planet, mm-hmm. to be able to tackle this and she can't because it is so deep rooted and it twists its tendrils all through her entire society that she's in mm-hmm. charge of. And what is one person supposed to do about all of that?
1: And honestly, I have in my notes here that I agree with like everything Satine did and said in this episode, because, or both of these, because like burning down the warehouse is an actual cost. And so often the fines for corruption are just a cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at like the Bhopal disaster in India, uh, Union Carbide was able to get out of like 99% of the stuff that they had to pay. For example, uh, and this is a few years after the episode in like 2015, I believe, the uh, Deepwater Horizon well that I was thinking
0: about oil spills actually when I was thinking about uh, corruption. You know,
1: the cost of an oil spill is like just – Ludicrously high if you mm-hmm. take into account the damage to the local ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If you take into account that, like, you just ruined a generational business of local fishermen and you did that times 20,000 or 40,000 or mm-hmm. 100,000, mm-hmm. um, you just killed that business and that familial wealth. I mean, it's the oil. The cost of an oil spill just cannot be overstated. It's trillions of dollars, and and do you think
0: BP suffers? Well,
1: so BP is hit with a monetary fine, which is equivalent to like two weeks profit, and then they argue that down and paid like ten percent of that, and so it's you know. And and so when a someone who actually is above the law or an oversight person goes in and is like I'm burning your warehouse down. Yeah, that is a real move, especially because there might have been like wounded smugglers in there, and she's like just flame out. Wow. At.
0: Yeah. See, that's the thing about Satine. Like Satine is this cool, calm, and collected, like very aloof monarch, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to warm to her. But then you see her doing these extremely wise and honorable and brave and courageous things as a leader of a planet. And how can you not root for that? You know? Absolutely. Like I see why some people are turned off by Satine, but as soon as you really pay attention to what she's doing and how she's ruling, she is an incredible character.
1: She has a... Ethical compass, which is strong and unerring and guides her. And I think that that's really important. I also really enjoyed how they meet up uh, Padme and Satine, and they're wearing like not robes and not dresses. And, you know, Satine's like, all right, so I'm having a meeting with my guards. You're invited. Make sure to bring, like, you know, a vest and boots and, like, pants.
0: Also, Satine has, like, six outfit changes in two minutes. She does, like, the Palpatine Zoom filter (laughs) thing. She's like, okay, here's my cool ceremonial gown to greet the incoming dignitary. Okay, here's my cool hospital visit outfit. Okay, here's my talking to the guards outfit. Mm -hmm. It is very fun.
1: But she... And Padme both show up in their butt-whooping pants. Oh, that yeah. Was, that was great. Oh, I enjoyed yeah. that.
0: Here's something interesting that I noticed, Sam, because mm-hmm. you thought I was going to be very, very excited about mm-hmm. the Padme and Satine show. Did you think Corruption was maybe the most boring Clone Wars episode so far? No? No.
1: There was some, I mean, I look at them in arcs now, and Mm. there was some, so corruption being the first one. There wasn't as much action, and I always find the subject matter of corruption to be very intriguing. This is the kind of stuff I like read for fun. Yeah, no,
0: I think that's true, but there are times when the Clone Wars is so glorious, like fun and unpredictable and wise and fast, And then there are times when it is very, very heavy handed. And Mm -hmm. I think specifically Corruption, the first episode, they're really trying to hammer the main theme home. Mm -hmm. So I looked up and read the transcript of this episode and they said the word corruption 11 times in 22 minutes. Okay. Which is a lot in a 22 minute episode. Right. Yeah. And I just was like, how do you make action Padme and action Satine so tedious?
1: So that actually points to something in our meta narrative of the podcast, which is that we have recently finished up by and large with season two. Uh huh. And this is the early part of season three. Uh huh. The early parts of the season are going to be a little less action-packed as we build up the theme mm. of the season. Because each season has sort of a theme going along with it.
0: What do you think the theme of season two
1: was? Hmm. it's a good question. It's much more noticeable in the later seasons. OK, OK. Yeah. Maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah, let's, let's come back to that.
0: The thing is that action Padme is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But they have to set up this premise where Satine is kind of unwittingly barging into corruption at every turn while being a pacifist. And I do think it made the first episode a little hard to watch because she's supposed to be the most powerful person on Mandalore. And yet we have to watch her being powerless in the face of something nefarious and insidious.
1: Well, I definitely think that the first episode is a setup for the second episode. That is
0: absolutely true. This Mm -hmm. is a phenomenal arc. It's just when you have to lay out all the playing pieces, you have to do a lot of setup to make the second episode so worth the payoff.
1: So in this case, like the second episode has a couple of political ramifications from the beginning to the end, right? So at the beginning of the first Mandalore arc, you have Death Watch versus Satine and Almec. And they're working together, uh, Satine and Almec. They're working really well together. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this arc, Almec's in jail. Mm-hmm and like he is not getting out because he's straight up tortured threatened with death threatened with like well and he his...
0: he laid bare his entire evil plan to the Scooby Doo mm-hmm. gang which is that he created the black market mm-hmm. to artificially constrain supply mm-hmm. to create a quote unquote new tax so to create more demand to make money for himself and yeah. then he totally just lied and said, Oh, it's just so that we can purchase more humanitarian aid for Mandalore. And Satine yeah. is like, Where?
1: Yeah. Where is
0: this humanitarian aid? Yeah. You buttered noodle.
1: And now he's in the mega tower of prison and he's not coming out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. What that means is that Satine's lost all of her allies.
0: Yeah, Jarek was killed. In yep. the first Mandalor arc, Almec is now imprisoned for being a racketeer, and
1: Previsla is a revolutionary somewhere, and so she's in the middle of a another like civil war, basically Gosh, without yeah. without support. She's up against a, a major, violent insurgency, and her government has collapsed. Yeah. So, in the big picture, she's in real trouble.
0: It's like watching all of her allies kind of get like. Mm-hmm. Knocked down like 10 pins, you know, just yeah. one after another. Yeah. Wow.
1: And so, in a way, it's uh, this is an escalation of what is happening, mm-hmm. right? So, that the escalation to the end of the Clone Wars with everything falling under the Empire is being set in motion now.
0: There's a real feeling for me of. Unease and fear for Satine. Yeah. Because we just see her as this one woman at the top of this government, which is crumbling from within, mm-hmm. beset at all sides, having established neutrality, not open to receiving aid either from the Republic or from the separatists. And it reminds me of the first Mandalore arc when Obi Wan says, You have to keep your friends close, not at arm's length. Yeah. In a political sense, Satine has now pushed everyone who could help Mandalore mm-hmm. to arm's length.
1: And so that is a result of her, like, actually admitting neutrality as opposed to a quasi neutrality because. Mm-hmm. Before the events of the first Mandalore arc, she was being courted by both sides, right? Mm -hmm. And presumably the Trade Federation and the Separatists, which are hand in glove with the Trade Federation, were giving her good terms. And the Republic was giving her good terms. But now that she's neutral, they're like, okay, we can spend our money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And that is why she's problematic.
0: Yeah, it's because if you court both sides for a time, you can reap the benefits of being courted. Mm -hmm. But Satine is so principled about this singular issue of neutrality yeah that she has cut off every source of potential aid like there are no boons coming to Mm -hmm. mandalore
1: although you know that's also because palpatine was trying to play a game to take over mandalore
0: yes
1: and so as always palpatine's moves work out for him because he always wins because he's playing both sides he set up the whole situation
0: So speaking about Palpatine being the mastermind brings me to my core thoughts and my deep discomfort with this arc. Mm -hmm. The most uncomfortable thing for me in watching this arc, which was spectacular, and that's why it evoked these feelings in me, was watching the way that language and reality are weaponized against people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... The whole arc, people are throwing around words like corruption and treason and traitor. The cadets are actually arrested. They're, they're arrested for, and I quote, corruption, treason, and traitorousness. Yeah. But when we get to the second episode, Ahsoka and the cadets in Satine are trying to expose these things, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When they finally get to the final room with Almec... He has this way of twisting those words and those concepts to make everybody who goes against his plan wrong. Yeah. The cadets are under arrest for corruption. They're traitorous for going against the government. They're Mm -hmm. they're committing treason for trying to expose something that is ethically wrong and that is harming the people of Mandalore. Yeah. So you know what that is? That's gaslighting.
1: It is. And so in the context of when this episode came out in 2008, we're at the end of the second second Bush administration, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the hallmark of the second of the second Bush administration was that if you're not with us, you're against us. If you are un-American, you are a traitor. Yes. And if you say, hey, wait a minute, like maybe we shouldn't do these things, Boom, traitor.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's zoom out for a second and talk about gaslighting. Gaslighting Mm -hmm. is a kind of manipulation of facts and it makes people doubt their reality.
1: Yeah. Because humans have a very nebulous view of reality.
0: Yes, absolutely. So it can happen to people in abusive relationships. Yeah. As you mentioned, it can also happen in a political sense and on a national scale.
1: Oh yeah. And the budget for it's pretty small. You just have to get certain talking heads on TV and then all of a sudden, well, it's not, Free. It's it's much amplified by having a propaganda budget. Yeah.
0: So both of those things are happening here, right? There's gaslighting happening on a personal scale and there's gaslighting happening on a national and political scale. Mm-hmm. Almec is twisting the meaning of the words corrupt and traitor to make it seem like anybody who goes against him is wrong. Yeah. But Satine and the cadets are truly trying to do something that is for the benefit of Mandalore. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. When Satine and Padme are having their like cubist tofu dinner (laughs) with their square root vegetables, we learn that Padme is sensing the same kind of gaslighting happening from the chancellor. She talks about how she's really frustrated with these mixed reports that she's receiving about the war Mm -hmm. from the chancellor, but she also wants to stay loyal to the republic. Yeah. Like she wants to continue her work.
1: Yeah. And so that is part of the Clone Wars being such a powerful force is that as they talk about actually in Phantom Menace, the Republic hasn't been at war for a long time, hundreds of years at least mm-hmm. without, before having a, a major war. And that means that a war is an existential event, or at least it can be. In the US government, You know, we haven't really been at war since the 40s. But Because everything's been a police action, you know? Because a war is an existential event. It has been used by Palpatine to say, hey, we have a war. There's a war on that grants me all sorts of emergency Mm -hmm, powers. mm -hmm. And Padme was the one who installed Palpatine. So she has a sunk cost in the whole thing as well. And she is signed up for this. And even if she is like, hey, uh, I renounce Palpatine, she, she's famous for being a good diplomat. She's famous for being well-spoken. She's yeah. quite well-respected. She has already given all those things to Palpatine and can't take them back.
0: Yeah, she set this rolling juggernaut into motion, and now she yeah. would just be one person trying to stop it. Yeah. But she knows that something's making her doubt her actual perceptions and her mm-hmm. actual understanding of reality, and it's Palpatine. Yeah. It's a galaxy-wide gaslighting.
1: Or it's Anakin. I mean, he, he gaslights her a fair bit.
0: Oh, yeah. Padme gets a lot of gaslighting. Yeah. Women women, and people in vulnerable situations, Sam, get a lot of gaslighting yeah. in this world. So it was very illuminating for me. It taught me a lot about the shape and nature of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. It Just also for personal reasons, it was very difficult to watch. And I think that's why yeah. this arc was very powerful for me.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. It, it was tough in that sense because having a background in looking at corruption just as an amateur, there's such difficulty in rooting it out. I often joke that like the DEA should trade its toys to like the IRS and the, so that the IRS is able to like helicopter in and you know burst through kick windows, kick down and the no, door. Yeah, no knock warrants, show up with tanks and be like, you didn't pay a half trillion dollars in taxes. <laughs> Come yeah, with us, you know yeah. for for. Some or you know, come with us for three hundred consecutive life sentences or something out of the out of the craziness like that, like the DEA does. Because the way corruption works is it does benefit the already rich and the already mm-hmm. powerful, mm-hmm. and we see that so much in the sense that the people who were hurt in this episode were children.
0: Yes, the children were poisoned. The mm-hmm. children were starving.
1: And you know, it's it's funny. I, I wanted to talk about. Uh, fruitopia and snapple but
0: because of the tea (laughs) that is poisoned by the slave in
1: because when i was a wee lad going to a elementary school in my hometown which no longer exists it was bulldozed because it was ancient they had a fruitopia machine and that was the jam oh
0: my gosh
1: but then i'm thinking of it i'm like man those things were a buck a piece back in the early 90s when
0: I would see Snapple commercials growing up I was like oh it's rich people that have Snapple at their Mm -hmm. house you know
1: and so like that was my allowance money and I, I just think man how corrupt is it that a school has a vending machine inside of it because all you're doing is feeding like kids sugar water and they don't know better
0: The hallmarks of that for me are very much all of the 90s sugary snack commercials that we all got fed, literally fed a diet of sugary snack commercials. Yeah.
1: have one more interesting fact that I want to okay, bring up in this Okay, lay episode. it on
0: me. I have one more as well.
1: Okay, so Sadiq is voiced by Corey Burton. Who's that? He is also the voice of Cad Bane, Zero the Hutt, and Count Dooku.
0: What? He's like the bad guy voice actor. Yes, but
1: also those voices are all super different.
0: Okay, the sleazy Cockney accent was incredible. That's why I looked it up. I looked it up too. I was like, what is that? Is that like Southern British? I don't have an ear for accents. So I Googled Cockney accent on YouTube. I played it. I came back to the Clone Wars episode, played it. It was perfect.
1: Wow. It was a
0: perfect Cockney accent and it was incredible.
1: Yeah, he has got... A real bad guy vibe, but that just A-plus voice work there is
0: so good. The sound effects for this episode were incredible. Mm -hmm. My fun fact is that when Ahsoka flies in at the beginning of the Academy episode, we get to hear her theme song. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. I remember thinking as her plane touched down on Mandalore, Mm -hmm. wow, that is a great orchestral piece. I looked it up. It is Ahsoka's theme.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about when she flies from the roof like Batman and proceeds to punch all the corrupt guards. It also
0: might have been there, too, because she was a badass in this
1: episode. Just like this arc is worth it for me to watch just for the scene where Ahsoka is fighting with her hands tied behind her back, like nine guards who have shields. It is amazing. There's a turret firing at her and she's like, whatever.
0: She's so cool. I love it because the the cadets, when she's teaching class, mm-hmm. they're like, well, you sound more like my Aunt Satine than a Jedi master, than mm-hmm. a Jedi knight. And then just so good. Just does the coolest fighting with no lightsaber
1: and no hands. Yeah. No
0: hands, mom. <laughs> Look, my no hands.
1: So speaking of Ahsoka, is it time for Baywatch?
0: It's time for Baywatch. Baywatch.
1: It's time for Baywatch. Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. Baywatch, Baywatch. Baywatch. Who's your Bay? Ahsoka. Tell me why. Uh, So as you said in the first episode, it's slow. And I think Padme is fantastic in the first episode i really like that she is the captain of the guard basically when the captain gets shot she's like okay fine i'll kill all these Mm -hmm, guys mm -hmm. but um ahsoka shows up and at first she is overconfident then she's underconfident she mind tricks she doesn't know that she correctly mind tricked it turns out she didn't Mm. but she came up with an Anakin-style plan, which with my d d group, we always call that the Chewbacca plan because what? it's from episode four, where it's like, okay, how do we get into the prison? You know, it's like, okay, well, put handcuffs on all of us and lead us in, and we'll break out once we get there. And that was her plan with the Scooby gang. Yeah, yeah. And it's a classic plan. Always works in fiction. Never works in real life. And it's good. It is a great plan. And she executed it. And then she... Anakin her way into like, you'll know when the action starts that it's time to start the action. She was ready for the double cross the whole time. And then at the end, when she's like, ah, yes, I have been a pawn this whole time. She's like, it's cool. I was doing the right thing. Like, if you use me as a pawn to further your goals of doing the right thing, I'm 100% fine with that, which is like a real position of equanimity for a Padawan to be in. Of like, I do what I am told because my judgment of what is right and what is wrong is not fully developed yet. Hmm. But I trust, I have faith that the people who put me in these situations have a sense of right and wrong, will put me, only use me for good.
0: You know what that reminded me of was something that Obi-Wan would think and feel. Mm-hmm. I think if Obi-Wan was thrust into a position where he became a pawn, he would have that same reaction mm-hmm. of like, okay, I still trust myself to get out of this and to make the right outcome happen. So my little headcanon is that Ahsoka and Obi-Wan have been getting to hang out a little more I in mean. the last couple of weeks and like do some, you know, master padawan tea time and you know, I think Ahsoka is learning from the elder Jedi around her, and I think she picked up this particular trait or reaction mm-hmm. from Kenobi.
1: I also think Ahsoka learned a lot from the lightsaber lost episode because mm-hmm. when she doesn't have her lightsaber, she very much understands move slow to go fast to get to where she needs to go. She could have buffaloed her way into, yeah, you know, she could have shown up with a team of guards and a beat stick and clobbered her way into the prison to get to Satine, Anakin style. But instead, she's like, I will wait. I will wait. I will wait. I will wait. I'll pretend to be completely hapless this entire time. Mm -hmm. The, The plan she has is very flexible. And man, I just love a good plan. I love it. I love it when a plan Sam comes together. Sam loves a good
0: heist. I
1: love a good heist. Oh my gosh! And I love that Ahsoka's plan worked out.
0: I thought she was also very cute and very great as a TA. Like the second day, she's <laughs> teaching the cadets come in and they're oh so tired it's from like, up, infiltrating guys? a warehouse. She's like. Hey guys, what's the vibe in here? <laughs> Y'all seem like you are not present in this moment. And like you know, we were
1: up late. She's stacks. like, oh,
0: you listened to everything I I told you. <laughs> oh, you committed felonies. Okay, yeah. we can deal with this. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then they're like, no, it's fine. We're gonna talk to the prime minister afterwards. And she's like, mm. Tell you what. Let's come up with just like a backup plan just in case that doesn't work. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. she is so good. She's not my bay. Oh, who's your bay?
0: Pad Bay.
1: All right. I my bay
0: is Pad Bay, and I have receipts.
1: Is it that she has by far the highest kill count?
0: She does? That was <laughs> not it, but that is also incredibly cool.
1: She picks up the captain's pistol and proceeds to stone-cold 10 out of 10, <laughs> like take out 10 smugglers. The guards are like, oh yes, we are non-violent. All of a sudden it's like, Pew, phew, 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 and they just all fall over dead. It's like, oh hey, I'm a senator.
0: It is so cool. It is actually because we get to see Padme doing a regular day's work here.
1: Isn't it though? My so
0: gosh. she comes and hangs out with Satine. They're seeing the entire Mandalore mm-hmm. council mm-hmm. squabbling with each other. And she's like, I'm equipped to deal with this. I do this every day. Yeah. She wades in without even raising her voice. She has this like natural queenliness, this air yeah. of command. And she's like... Prime Minister, if I could have a word, everyone sits their butts down and Mm -hmm. gets quiet and listens to her.
1: She does get chomped on though.
0: She does. That is partially why she's my bae. Because she is saying she has a solution and it's a good solution. And she's trying to make these heated people listen to her. She's like, you need new supply lines opened The Republic can help you with that while maintaining your neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, you're a hypocrite. They get all up in her face. And to see her standing up to people who are shouting her down and insulting her, and she doesn't lose her cool. And that is what makes Satine really take her into her trust. Mm -hmm. Padme had Satine's trust and then further cements that she is the right person for this job. Yeah. Yeah it is difficult to understand how brave you have to be in that situation until people are getting up in your face and yelling at you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: how hard it is to maintain equanimity. And I thought that was the coolest thing I've seen in a while.
1: I would like to give a honorable mention to Satine as well. Who oh, did. yeah. Like all of the advice she gave, all of the things she said and all the things she did in this episode were spot on. Even the idea of bringing in, she's like, hey, Padme, could you please talk to the Jedi Council and bring in a Jedi? Is the exact correct use of the Jedi. Mm. Because the Jedi are not an extension of the Galactic Republic. Mm-hmm. They're associated with it. But if a planet out anywhere is like, hey, we have a problem. We would like to request a Jedi, you know, Yoda's going to be like, sounds great.
0: It's like, hey, I'm doing a surgery and I need a scalpel. Exactly. And the Jedi are that scalpel.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also think it is... It was hard to watch Satine having to confront the corruption at every turn in the first arc. Yeah. But then the payoff of her being behind the scheme and being on top of this the whole time was so worth it.
1: Even after getting tortured and yeah. having her nephew threatened.
0: Oh my God. And that moment of like, I would die before I let you frame me for corruption. I would die.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that—that that is the power of her because she is the one who unified Mandalore under mm-hmm. the new Mandalorian arc, and so special mention to her for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, just, absolutely.
1: You know, we, we're hard
0: eyes for Satine. We're, we're
1: just heavily weighted towards ass whooping on the the Baywatch. Yeah, so, I know,
0: I know. Yeah. Satine did some metaphorical ass kicking, and I think that was great. Yeah. Also, hard eyes for the Scooby Gang because they are so fun. Oh my gosh, they're silly. There's the nerdy one, there's the dumb one, there's the leader one, and then there's the pretty blonde one. And yeah. like, well, that's a trope. Oh, it's so fun. I love a school story. <laughs>
1: All right, well, that about wraps us up. Next week, we're doing season three, episode seven, and then season three, episode four. So that's out of order. Assassin and Sphere of Influence.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I've never seen this before.
1: No, this is all new. Yeah. And this is some cool season three stuff. We're we're in for some excitement. Ooh, I'm I'm excited. excited.
0: All right, as always, you can follow us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. We mm-hmm. are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and not TikTok. Sorry, I'm working on it.
1: That's that's on you. <laughs>
0: You can also, if you want more Skywalker, become one of our patrons and look up Growing Up Skywalker on Patreon. And we release bonus content every week.
1: Thank you to all of our patrons and...
0: Send this episode to the person who is just a pillar of ethical fortitude in your life as a way of saying... You're the best. We like you a lot.
1: And also send it to the smuggler in your life. And don't tell them who's who. Oh
0: my goodness. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.